the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. When I came to Christ, he said, I threw my religious privileges and achievements overboard. I threw them, I threw them out. I took a loss on them. Why? To gain Christ. All his religious accomplishments he threw overboard. He said, I take a loss on this. Why? Because if I don't do that, I can't come to Christ. You cannot come to Christ if you hold on to religion. You can't say, I'm going to hold on to this, and I'm going to trust my religion, but also I believe in Jesus. No. Mutually exclusive. You have to let go. When I was in my early teens, I asked my mother how a person gets to heaven. Her answer was terrifying. She said that she thought if a person's good behavior outweighed their bad behavior, they would go to heaven. Well, how am I supposed to know if I've done enough good? That makes fear the motivation for obedience rather than love, and it is impossible to be joyful and afraid at the same time. That event launched a God-directed search for a better way, which I eventually found, by God's grace, in Jesus Christ. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 27 years at Lakeside, and these daily radio Bible classes are a natural extension of his ministry. We are studying Philippians chapter 3 and dealing with the wonderful advantages to be found in salvation by grace as opposed to trying to earn eternal life. In Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 21, Paul wrote, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. And that is the source of religion. Let's listen as Pastor Steve explains. Now let me explain what he means. God has every right to pour out his wrath upon the pagan world because the pagan world knew the truth about God from creation and nature, but they refused to bow to the Almighty God. They refused to honor him. They refused to submit to him. They refused to surrender their wicked hearts to, to him. And when man did that, he turned off the light of God's revelation. When man turned away from God, God turned the light off. And what happened is man substituted his own foolish speculations. In other words, God gave light, man rejected the light, the darkness was there, man turned on his own light, like a light bulb over his head. But his light was foolish speculation. His light was error. Yeah, some truth mixed in with, with error but for the most part, error. And now human reason governs his thinking rather than divine revelation, and the result is spiritual darkness. That's why the pagan world is in darkness. Since man's own mind now controls his life, he begins to think of himself as wise, is what Paul is saying. He's a fool, but he thinks that he's wise. 
He now prides himself on being intellectually honest. You've heard of that, intellectual, academic honesty. And it leads him into foolish and, and spiritual and moral error. For instance, man thinks he's wise, but he thinks he, he evolved from monkeys. I mean, think about that. Man thinks he's wise, but he believes he evolved from monkeys. Man thinks he's wise, but he believes God isn't a person. He's a thing or an it, if he goes that far. Man thinks he's wise, thinks that he's wise, but that moral standards are outdated. Man thinks he's wise, but he comes up with some of the stupidest sayings. Some months ago, I was watching a program on television. They had a very famous psychiatrist on the program, and he said there is absolutely no correlation between hardcore pornography and the actions of people who watch that. Now, that is idiocy. That is idiocy. You don't have to be a Ph.D. to figure that one out. But man thinks he's wise, but he comes up with incredibly stupid statements like that. And you know what? Everybody around them, yes, right, good. That, you know, and they all sort of applauded. A man thinks he's wise, but he, has, but he goes out and, and commits abortion and thinks it's all right. I mean, that is just a reflection of how far man has gone. In the name of intellectual integrity, man has become a fool because he's rejected the obvious truths about God as seen in creation. He refuses to worship God for who he is, the glorious one, and, and instead his foolish specul speculations together with, watch this, his innate desire to worship. He's got foolish speculations, but God has made him to have a, an innate desire to worship something, but he's refused to worship God, so now he must worship something, so he becomes a religious idolater. That's where religion comes from. It's built into man that he must worship something. Something. He's, he's got to. But he's got foolish speculation, so he's not going to worship the truth about God. So he invents what he calls truths, but they're really religious error. He refuses to respond to the glorious God, so now he creates images of what he conceives as God. Man, and if you look in Romans chapter 1 again, You'll see he exchanged, verse 23, the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, of birds, four-footed animals, crawling creatures. He said, these are my gods. In Greece and Rome, gods were man-like. We call that mythology. Also, the Romans worshipped the eagle, the Egyptians worshipped the bull, the Assyrians worshipped the serpents, and on and on it goes. And they thought they were brilliant, thought they were brilliant. You see, when man abandoned the invisible, spiritual, glorious God from their minds, they had to have something to take his place. And that's where religion comes from. And you need to understand that. That's why man has always been religious. Religion is not man running after God. It is man running away from God. The world is not, is not after God because it's so religious. The world is running away from God, and that's why they are religious. Do you realize the Hindu religion, for instance, has 330 million gods and goddesses? I hope they have a good computer system to file that away. That's a lot. In Thailand, uh, there are 20,000 Buddhist temples. Do you know what the most sacred object on earth to a Buddhist is? A two-inch long discolored tooth that is said to have belonged to Buddha. Man has to worship something. And 400 million Buddhists reverence that tooth. 
Now we say, what, in America we don't do that kind of stuff. No, but we worship other things. Our cars. Worship our cars. Our homes. We worship sex in our society. Entertainment. Money. We worship education. Listen, even the church worships education. For church, if a church is looking for a pastor, uh, it really doesn't matter as much if he's never been to Bible school or seminary, but he's a great man of the Word and he has great character. They want to make sure he's got that degree behind his name. Yeah, worship education. Young people worship rock singers. Absolutely worship them. Movie stars, sports personalities. So we need to understand that. That's where religion came from. And let's go back to Philippians now, because that's really what we want to look at. Philippians chapter 3. I just want you to understand that, that that is why Paul is so harsh. That's where Paul is coming from. Man, and no matter what you call it, no matter what label you put on it, all religion is basically the same. The same in the sense that it is saying one thing, I must do these things to have God be pleased with me. That's basically what it's saying, regardless of what label you put on it. And yes, they may have certain rules that are different over here and other rules that are different here, and one may have more gods over here than here. But basically, the heart of it is saying, I must do something in order for God to be pleased. Now, Christianity is not saying that at all. Christianity is saying you can do nothing. It already has been done for you. Simply trust what has been done for you. One is a religion of dues. Another is a, a word to us from God which says it is done. Accept it. So, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul is speaking as a liberated man. He's been delivered. He has been delivered from religion. Doesn't that sound strange? But that's true. Been delivered from religion because he's come to faith in Christ. And God has given him, now watch this, this is the key that will open it up for you. God has given him so much more in Christ than he ever had in religion. The best way to evaluate whether it's best for a person to continue being religious or come to Christ is to compare the two. What do you get if you come to Christ? What are the profits? What are the gains? What are the advantages? So if you're struggling today, you're maybe uh, curious about the gospel and you want, you've got your church, you've got your religion, you've got your man-made rules, what is the benefit of coming to Christ? I think that's a fair question. Should you consider staying in religion and what it offers you? Or should you consider coming to Christ? That's what Paul does. He makes a comparison now. And what we want to look at is three gains or profits or advantages in coming to Christ. Paul speaks in this setting of losses and profits, almost like he's a businessman. He's made some losses here. He's gained some profits over here. And what we want to do this morning is look at two of these gains. And Lord willing, next week we'll look at the third gain. Wouldn't it be wonderful if fewer people endured religion and more people enjoyed salvation? What Paul gained must be pretty fantastic since he gave up his whole way of life. It was not a trade. Salvation is completely free. It's just that when we turn to Christ, we turn from religion. You are listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is taking us on a verse-by-verse -verse tour through the third chapter of Philippians. He will continue our lesson beginning in verse 7 after telling us about an exciting travel and learning opportunity. 
I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff from Verse by Verse here on WTBN. I want to tell you about an exciting opportunity to join me on a trip to Israel I'll be leading this May. We'll be visiting those sites in Israel where Jesus ministered, such places as Capernaum, the Sea of Galilee, the Mount of Beatitudes, the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem, and and so many more sites. If you're interested in learning more about this tour, then you can call the following number and ask for more information. The number is 877-768-2784, extension 111. One. That's 877-768-2784, extension 111. The tour dates are May 5th through the 14th. I hope you can join us. One more time, that number is 877-768-2784, extension 111. And now let's return to today's class. But the, uh, the first gain that we want to look at, the first thing that Paul said he profited from in coming to Christ was a relationship with Christ. Paul gave up a lot. What he gained was so superior to what he lost. He gained a relationship with Christ. Let's begin by just uh, dropping back to verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Now, we looked at this two two weeks ago. In other words, when I came to Christ, he said, I threw my religious privileges and achievements overboard. I threw them, I threw them out. I took a loss on them. Why? To gain Christ. I could never, he's saying, come to Christ as long as I accepted these things, as long as I thought. And what he's talking about now is verses 5 and 6, circumcised the eighth day, the nation of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, blameless to the law, zealous, all these things. All his religious accomplishments he threw overboard. He said, I take a loss on this. Why? Because if I don't do that, I can't come to Christ. You cannot come to Christ if you hold on to religion. You can't say, I'm going to hold on to this, and I'm going to trust my religion, but also I believe in Jesus. No. Mutually exclusive. You have to let go. Paul's conversion, though, and you should understand this, happened 30 years uh, prior to, to his writing to the Philippians. In that space of time, what was Paul's attitude? Verse 7, he's speaking about his conversion. But there's a 30-year space between verse 7 and 8, and you would see that um, clearer in the Greek language. How did he feel now after all of these years? Have you ever looked back in your life, if you've been saved for some time and wondered, was it worth it? What I gave up, was it really worth it? Some of you have given up a lot. Some of you gave up a good relationship with your family to come to Christ. Others gave up very good jobs. Maybe there were dishonest jobs and you knew you couldn't do it. Some of you gave up uh, social standing and status. Some of you lost a lot of friends in coming to Christ. I remember after I became a Christian, I didn't abandon my friends. They abandoned me. They didn't want anybody around them talking about Jesus. Now, I was probably a little obnoxious, too. But that might have had something to do with it. And you, I guess you could take, a word, take the word probably away. But uh, some of you have lost a lot in coming to Christ. Has it been worth it? For Paul, it was. And for each of us, it is too. And we need to be reminded of that. Verse 8. More than that, I count. I'm counting now. That's what he's saying. I, I did count, but now in the present, 30 years later, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish 
in order that I may gain Christ. He affirms that his attitude has not changed one iota over the years. In fact, it's deepened. Notice he says in verse 8, all things, all things. That includes the benefits of verses 5 and 6, but he is, he is uh, now going beyond that. He's saying all the things, all of my achievements, all of my religious achievements and accomplishments, everything that religiously benefited Paul, he lost. He lost his standing in the Jewish community as a scholar. They didn't think he was a scholar anymore. They thought he was a traitor. He lost his standing in the Jewish community as a religious leader. And there are many who think that Paul was part of the Sanhedrin. Seventy elect men in, in uh, Israel that were the cream of the crop. They were the, basically the religious leaders of Israel. Now, I'm not sure that Paul was a part of that, but he certainly lost his reputation as a religious leader. He was no longer a Pharisee, and there were only 6,000 Pharisees at a time. Paul was certainly lost that privilege. His many Jewish friends, you think they wanted to have Paul over for dinner anymore? You think they said, let's get together for a little socializing in the evenings? No. His relationship with religious people. No, they didn't want anything to do with him. He lost it all. As I said before, some of you have lost a lot. Some have not, but some have lost a lot. Suffered the loss of many things, friends, family, money, reputation, social status. Was it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Notice what he calls all of his religious accomplishments in verse 8. At the end of it, he calls them, he says, I count them, but rubbish, rubbish. Now, that is an interesting word. It, it, is, it is a contrast, rubbish, in comparison to the surpassing value of knowing Christ or the excellency of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, he says. He makes it personal. What does rubbish mean? Well, either, and this word was used to, uh, in different ways, it either could refer to human excrement. That's why it's translated, I believe, in the authorized version as dung. Human excrement, manure. Or it also was used in the Greek language of unwanted food which was thrown on the garbage heap. And we're not sure what Paul had in mind. In either case, what he was talking about was trash. Trash. Maybe a good way of putting it, one writer said, was just call it muck. That's muck. In other words, knowing Christ is so far superior to all the religious accomplishments and personal achievements that Paul threw them away as trash. Garbage. You know what? This is what God thinks of religion. Trash. Garbage. It is abominable. It stinks. In fact, someone has said all of man's self-righteousness stinks before God. That's right. Isaiah 64, 6 says all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. You know what filthy garment was in the original Hebrew? It was a reference to the menstrual cloths used by a woman. Not only would those be filthy, but they would be ceremonially unclean. That's the thought there. We usually don't use from the pulpit words like rubbish, manure, menstrual cloths, but this is what the Word of God says. And you need to understand it in the context of what Paul is saying. It's the strongest language, strong language against religion. And it ought to tell us what God thinks of trying to, to earn our way to heaven. Paul gladly threw them away. He gladly trashed them. Why? Notice verse 8. He writes, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view. I love this expression, the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. What's he referring to? 
that expression of knowing Christ Jesus. What did he gain in religion, in Christ rather, in coming to Christ, knowing Christ? And what does that mean? Well, it certainly means more than simply knowing about him. And you need to understand that oftentimes we say, well, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? What do we mean by that? Do you know the Lord? It means do you have a relationship with him? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? It is not just knowing about him. Yes, you have to certainly know about him, but it doesn't stop there. It is knowing him intimately, personally. The word for know means experiential knowledge, not just head knowledge. That's so important that you understand that. Experiential knowledge I see it as one thing to know about Christ, another thing to know him. For instance, if someone says, well, do you know so-and-so? No, I've heard about him or her, but I've never met them. Do you know about Washington? Do you, do you know about Lincoln? Yes, I know about them. I've read about them, but I certainly don't know them personally. And that's just basic. But that's, that's the heart of what we're saying. That's the difference. I'd like to show you some places that the Bible says about knowing him. If you look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Some of us maybe don't realize this. You've grown up with a head knowledge about Christ, but do you know him? Now, granted, we all of life is getting to know him better. That's why Paul will say in verse 10, all that I may know him. Well, Paul, I thought you said you already know him. Yes, I met him, but now I want to know him better. But in chapter 10 of John's gospel, verse 14, Jesus speaking as the good shepherd he writes, says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and watch this. My sheep know me. Now, he says, I know them. They know me. Do you think he means I just know about them? No. Therefore, if he means I know them intimately, then he means also they know me intimately. You can't have one without the other. I know them personally. I have a relationship with them and they have a relationship with me. And then John chapter 17 Verse 3. I mean, John uh, emphasized this a number of times. John 17, verse 3. In the high priestly prayer of our Lord, just before he went back to be with the Father, actually just before he was, was crucified, he said, this is eternal life. You want to know what eternal life is? You want to know what the gospel is? You want to know what being saved is? You hear those terms? What do they mean? That they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. The heart of our message is that we can know him personally. Otherwise, we are separated from him. Our sins have separated us. We can know him. And then finally, John chapter, first John rather, chapter 5, verse 20. John concludes his letter of five chapters, first John, and we know, you don't, you don't need to turn there if it's going to take a while, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life, that we may know Him, that we may know Him. What do you gain by coming to Christ? You get to know Him. Know Him. What an amazing thing. People all over the world wonder what God is like, not realizing that they not only can know what He is like, they can know Him personally. And that is just one of the many benefits when we drop our religion and enter into a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus. Pastor Steve will have more benefits to tell us about in the next Verse by Verse. It was a pleasure to have you with us for yet another lesson in this series from the third chapter of Philippians. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. 
He is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been serving since 1981. His clear practical messages come to your radio through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of people like you. You can find us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. We make many of Pastor Steve's messages available on the website, including today's class. Spend some time there and explore. That's versebyverseradio.org. Today's broadcast was the middle part of a three-part message. It's sometimes helpful to hear a message from beginning to end without interruption. If you would like to do that, please give us a call at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during regular office hours so that you can order a CD or cassette. Our number again is 727-441-1714. Before Paul came to Christ, the thing he wanted most was to be righteous. He tried with all his might to be righteous, and in the eyes of other Jews, he certainly looked righteous, but not in God's eyes. Ironically, the harder he tried to become righteous on his own, the farther he was from his goal. There is only one way to be righteous in the sight of God, and we will hear about that on the next Verse by Verse. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.